Join us as we cover many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons. Are you ready to get jacked up? Are you with us? Then listen on. I'll put the hand down. I don't mean to come off as a dictator. <laughs> uh, one time we did a chat like that. And I didn't realize the raising the hand symbol had been on the entire time. <laughs> I am not speaker of the house. So I'm not. <laughs> ah, this is your show, man. You, you I know. Be all the dictator you want to be. <laughs> You're play by play. I'm color commentary. Uh, I only invite people who are fascist like me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Um, oh. <laughs> I know, too timely. Um, I think you brought the wrong person, man. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'm on the other side of that fence there. Uh, I know. I, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, this is not a <laughs> this is not a radical or communist type <laughs> party. But uh, as an escape from the news. Um, I got with me Munson at the movies host, Kyle Hickman. What's up, guys? What's up? <laughs> Happy to be here. Uh, a real Munson. You got to have at least one real Munson for your episodes, right? So, yes. Excited to talk a little bit of Chucky with y'all. <laughs> and then we got Jonathan Mark of the Action Elite. What's up, everyone? No, he's not an elitist. It's just talking about action movies. <laughs> exactly. Oh my god. <laughs> so I it's just out of all the movies that stuck out to Kyle, it was just it it's gotta be the killer doll click and it wasn't Puppet Master, it was Chucky. And so I I'll, I'll just circle around here before we kinda go into the individual movies. Um uh Kyle, uh what kind of got you into these were you just commonly seeing them on tv or running them at the video store or did you even see one of them in the theater <laughs> so it's a good question um back when i was probably five or six um i remember just i distinctly have this memory i was at a bowling alley in waterford michigan where i grew up and it was right after i had seen child's play 2 and i Ooh. was frightened of mm. chuck <laughs> not, probably not a great time to watch Child's Play 2. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't think I was the intended audience, um, but I saw it at some point, and I remember I was at the bowling alley, and there was one of those claw games up up near the top of the desk that had a Chucky doll in it. And I literally, uh -huh. I remember uh -huh. as in my young self, orienting myself in the bowling alley so I never made eye contact with it because I was so frightened. 
<laughs> Chucky at that point in time. So ever since then, Chucky has had like this imprint on my brain and I've tr- done my best to kind of follow the, uh, the canon over the years. So when you threw out the list, I was like, oh yeah, I'll jump in for a Chucky conversation because he's traumatized me since I was a young person. <laughs> Right. It, even though it's a campy overall franchise, it is kind of wild how it's it got it has kind of like even what Gremlins and Robocop have, where they have a lot of corporation parodies in there, you know, an evil toy company. And then, like you say, is this got this character who's just stuck in the minds of so many kids and villains and even been connected to several different, uh, you know, serial killers, believe it or not, who <laughs> watched this movie clearly too many times. So um, uh, mainly. It's kind of funny how you bring that up because, yeah, there was just no shortage of R-rated or even in some cases borderline X-rated, you know, action and horror movies that had a bunch of merchandise in the kids section at anything from a Toys R Us to, like you say, a vending machine where you, you know, put a coin in and you try and uh, have the claw grab a doll from the machine. So it is... That that is definitely a wild, atypical kind of introduction to it. <laughs> Dude, the FBI, CIA, CIA should have had a camera on that that thing, and for every kid that wanted to get the the Chucky doll out, right, had to be a serial killer, like you, straight sociopath. Like, give me that doll. Like, there's right. your red flag. Start a record now. Does this kid have brothers and sisters or neighbors? Are they going to abuse them with the Chucky doll? They do red tape pets. them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, so John, you had no shortage of the various uh, black and white and uh, more mainstream kind of uh, horror movies growing up. How how did mm-hmm. Chucky come onto the wheel out of the vault? Ah, for me, I was I was around seven or eight at the video store, and I remember seeing the VHS cover of the first one, the very first Charles play, and. I didn't bother to watch it until like two or three years later. Because <laughs> I was allowed to. Um, and ever since then, I was hooked. That's basically how I got into it. It was just that kind of wacky. And at the same time, yeah, it, it, it's wild how the first cover, if you look at it, even the posters for it are very suspenseful. You don't know what you're mm-hmm. in for. <laughs> and. Yeah, all the other ones let it basically let the cat out of the bag. They're just like, yeah, you're gonna have a killer doll. And uh, yeah. uh, as a, another intro, isn't it kind of wild how this got referenced in pop culture? Oh yeah, there's always at least like one episode of The Simpsons or Family Guy or even you know Archer, just some kind of show like that that would have some kind of person being a have their body being a doll or. Uh, have be in a knife fight with a doll and so there would be that kind of reference and obviously you know the character appears in you know ready player one he appears in all these other movies mm-hmm. and shows it's like and robot chicken definitely did a number on it uh i mentioned this did anyone was anyone ever a religious viewer of whose lines it anyway oh yeah, yeah uh, big fan back in the day. uh mm-hmm. one of my favorite episodes when they did the the dating game was they at one point, you know, they had to guess who is your mysterious crazy oh, date, wow. and Wayne Brady was doing his take on you know slowly turning into Chucky Rumpel's play. Perfect. It was. It was dynamite. That was actually my intro. To it. It's like, oh, so that he's referencing that thing I've been seeing on the video stores, <laughs> all the blockbusters, <laughs> and so it, it was dynamite. And 
I guess you could say it helped that a lot of these movies, especially movies one and three, would definitely get played a lot on anywhere from UPN to the Fox stations and even uh, the Spanish channels. They were just easier to edit for content and just show at a later time and uh, no one was going to complain. But yeah, <laughs> uh, so I-, I guess I'll leap into the 1988 gym that uh, started it all. Uh, you know, Tom Holland of Fright Night. And later, uh, Thinner was helming it, and it was the brainchild of Don Marchini, who supervised the whole franchise. And, uh, you know, who would have guessed that, you know, Catherine Hicks, who would later be, you know, a mom in every family drama, was, you know, once again, this kind of got her in the seat of playing a mother from that point on. And Chris Sarandon as the detective who knows he's not losing his mind, but knows something is not right with this doll. (laughs) Uh, mm-hmm. how, how do you look at this from just the various elements? Uh, John, I'll let you go first, just from the atmosphere to the acting to the editing and score. <laughs> hmm. Well, the, the atmosphere, I think, is actually very well done, especially like the POV shots of Chucky whenever he's roaming down the halls and. Just like the attention that Tom Holland builds throughout the whole film until you finally see what he looks like. And you finally hear Brad Dole's voice, which is perfection. Um, yeah, has anyone ever uh, met Duruf at a convention? Erica and I mm-hmm. had met him several times, as well as his daughter Fiona, who's in one of these installments. And uh, he's definitely a chameleon, if there ever was one, because while he... I, I'd left. I'm sure Kyle will do an episode at him on him at some point. It's kind of wild how he's yeah, had maybe. to kind of embrace some of the anti-hero, the victim roles, even just the various uh, just bizarre people in dark comedies in between doing all the creep typecasts. <laughs> and yeah, he's, he's definitely a, he's a good voice actor, man. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and he's kind of like Jeffrey Combs, the last person you expect to be a voice actor, but yeah, that's what it ends up being. He's Starts out in this, both being, you know, the body of the killer as well as, you know, mm-hmm. the voice. And then from that point on, he's just the voice. But he still is like he's timing it perfectly with the animatronic puppetry and his, his dynamite. Uh, Kyle, uh, did this one blow you away out of all of them? <laughs> you know, it's not one I saw when I was a kid, but going back to watch it later, you know, in terms of rewatching most of the movies i think this one standalone is one of the better movies in terms of just how it's constructed thinking at the time 88 um, no cgi and animatronics and putting little kids in outfits i mean pretty impressive for 88 and the work they were able to do there to create the creep factor um i i noted in my research that this is one of the few horror films that roger ebert gave a positive review for which i think says a lot about uh, what don was able to together but i also find like the what went on behind the scenes with mancini and is it lafia john i think i I think so like the whole tom holland lafia mancini are involved and then you know we got a a few trying to sue holland and so people aren't allowed on set and then there's a huge split going into the rest of the franchise so yeah from that standpoint the drama is interesting but um just waiting 45 minutes to hear Chucky talk is, uh, is, you know, just kind of standing on edge. Cause I'm sure if you were, I was born in 88, 
I'm sure if you went to go see it in theaters, you know the doll's going to talk at some point. So you're just like waiting and waiting. <laughs> Jesus Christ, is it ever going to happen? What's going on? And then it gets good that they threw that out as long as possible, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. They do something very similar in Curse no, of that, that, that's spell. That, that, that's a good point because there are other movies where it's like people would ruin it, you know, by exposing the plot twist or giving it away on the cover with the marketing or even the trailer. And then it's like, well, now I got to take some time off and vent and actually watch it with a different group of people because obviously someone ruined it for us. Or like you say, this is like, uh, what is it that, that everyone was telling me about? <laughs> well, you know, it's going to happen, right? So it's just a matter of like, when, when, come on. <laughs> do it so I, I like that they make you wait a while almost pretty much halfway into the movie until you get that action we'll return after these messages hey feeling down feeling low not enough podcasts about movies in your life why not try they must be destroyed on sight the new podcast cure all sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living we have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, Cure What Ails Ya. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, Dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Hey, I heard you like movies. I heard you like to hustle. I heard you like podcasts. Well, guess what? There's a podcast for you out there called The Home Video Hustle. Damn right. Every Friday, we talk about whatever movie PJ picks out the bag. What does that mean? Every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I put a bunch of movies in a bag, and PJ picks one out at random. And then we just watch it. We talk about it for maybe like an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Whatever we feel like doing, wherever the conversation leads us. But do we actually talk about the movie? Most of the time. Ah. Tangents galore. Yes. So believe me, we may be a movie podcast, but it's not always about movies. We might talk about video games. Mm-hmm. Music. music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the big one, music. Uh, sometimes we might get a little bit of politicalness in there. Yes. Sometimes we may just, oh, we know what we like to do. We like to tell stories, PJ. Ah, yes. I am the master storyteller yes. of the podcast realm. <laughs> Undefeated. So if you like to hear about movies, video games, whatever foolishness comes to our mind, the most random stuff you can think of, check out the Home Video Hustle. You can find us on the Stitchers, yes. the Google Play, yes. Apple Podcasts, what else? Podbean, what else? Podcast Addict, goddamn, all that. Ain't no reason you can't get your hustle on. We everywhere, worldwide, baby. Hustle, motherfucking hustle. Hey, we can't cuss in the promo, PJ. Ah, we gotta be family friendly. There may be podcasts out there that don't want us here to say, ah, 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 good fun stuff. <laughs> well. <laughs> you yeah. <laughs> don't, don't run the listeners away Pete. Ah, i'm sorry but this is going kind of long yes so we'll end this and say hey check out the home video hustle every friday on all the various podcast outlets peace peace as far back as i can remember i always wanted to be a gangster And while Witch didn't make it to the top of the world, he 
he did make the Gangs of Hollywood podcast. So join the gang and enjoy a movie review podcast about movie gangs, gangsters, mobsters, and the mayhem they cause. You can find GOH Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GOHpod at www.gohpod.com as well as your favorite podcast listening app. And remember, say hello to your little friend for me. If you take two old punk rockers who are past their prime, put them in front of a movie screen and give them a podcast, what do you get? Cinema punks. Cinepunks. It's the mixtape of movies. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Oh, necrophilia. Oh, oh, oh. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in it. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of. Unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this, like, little nerd glee with everything that kept Little history doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you, you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was How did you watch movie. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. It's time, let's check our cue, baby Pair it with a couple brews, baby We love your movies We love the bad ones, too
So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you. Oh yeah. Everything I learned from movies with a one-life splat holes and gratuitous boobies. It's time to get busy with your friend Steve and Izzy at eilfm.podbean.com. Welcome to Who Was She podcast. I'm your host, Tara Jabari. After a decade working in documentaries, marketing, and all things digital media, I found that podcasting is a strong medium to share stories. After years of producing for others, I decided to start my own biographical podcast. Who Was She will focus on the life of a woman throughout Baha'i history. The first season is about Lydia Zeminoff. Lydia's story explores the subjects of the power of language and faith. Her father invented the universal language Esperanto and she came from a Jewish family and became a Baha'i. She grew up during World War I and was killed during World War II in a concentration camp, despite heroic efforts to save her life. How can one person's life intersect with so many others, connect across borders, and inspire a biography which inspired this podcast? Over the next few weeks, I will share her story with you and the lives that were most affected by her and those who affected her life as well. They include her father, Ludwig Semenov, her spiritual mother, American journalist Martha Root, and the Baha'i German soldier Fritz Mako, who worked for the resistance undercover while having to serve the Nazi party. I want to thank the author Wendy Heller and George Ronald Publishing for their blessing to let me use Heller's biography, Lydia, the life of Lydia Zeminoff, daughter of Esperanto, as a main and instrumental resource for this podcast. So please subscribe and learn about this amazing woman who traveled through three continents in an effort to bring unity through the power of language. You can also find more information on our Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at Who Was She Podcast. Music was composed and performed by Sam Red. I am your host, Tara Jabari. Join us next time as we begin our journey about Lydia Zeminoff. Hi, everybody. It's Mac Jackson. I wanted to invite you to a new site called the Forever Adventure Network. This website has everything. Pictures, videos, blogs. There's original music by Harmony Constant two podcasts. One is the MacGyver podcast, where we celebrate Richard Dean Anderson, his iconic roles, and how it's influenced our lives. There's episode discussions, interviews, and life conversations. The second podcast is the Never Gets Old podcast, where we celebrate all the best things that we love in life, from TV, movies, music, and comics. The site is also the home for the MacGyver SG-1 audio series, an ongoing adventure series that continues the adventures of MacGyver and SG-1. 
There are also multiple stores to choose from for all of your pop culture and adventure needs. Come on by and check us out today. And thanks for joining the adventure. Are you sick of the same old stale podcast? Well then join Vanessa and Darren as they dissect movies of all kinds. The two lifelong cinema lovers bring their favorites, curiosities, and first-time watches to the operating table and inject them with a healthy dose of snark. Then there's the waiting room where they examine books and short stories. So just look for them on Apple Podcasts and where fine podcasts are available. They're part of the Legion Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter at VD Clinic Pod. Join them on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash VD Clinic Pod. Or email them at vdclinicpod at gmail.com. They're ready to cure what ails you. <laughs> and still, they just might be a little contagious. We now continue with our program. Right. And it helps that. That scene when she turns them over and finds out that the batteries aren't in, like that, that scene is vintage 80s horror right there like oh shit things are gonna get real quick yeah mm-hmm. very true and i mean it, it's even interesting to see uh like to say how there's a car chase and the soundtrack for this is kind of rare to find especially with the new cd version of it but it, it's definitely worth a listen and uh like, like you say is like well, when the mayhem delivers it's it finds different ways to kind of spread it out as opposed to kind of uh, feel like it's running out of money or like you say, that despite there being a lot of behind the set, you know, creative differences, it doesn't really feel like there was too many compromises that had to be made. <laughs> like do you, during the car chase scene, when he's stabbed, trying to stab him underneath the seat, do you guys find yourself like lifting yourself up off your chair? Is it that, that immersive? Like I'm like, Oh, I, I have with certain movies. Not with this particular one, but uh, it's definitely still intense and definitely worth watching for that. Because it, 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 it is well framed, also, and it's like you you feel like you're, like you say, you're trapped in the car with the protagonist as he's, you know, trying to both not run into other people and other cars while also, you know, trying to not get stabbed by this thing. <laughs> it, it's definitely not too campy like the other ones kind of get. But it is like you say, it's just, it's like it, you, you can just detect the shrillness going on in the environment. <laughs> yep. uh, I, I, I got to applaud him. Um, and I mean, for to make it back, you know, 44 million on a nine million budget. I also tip my hat to that because they didn't know if they were going to have a hit or even a franchise at that point. It was just anyone's guess. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean that's a, that's a big move. You're not gonna have seven other movies if that first one isn't successful. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All kind of leverages on that. All kinds of leverages. Oh, so you know, two years later, uh, the toy company's at it again. Uh, did anyone ever really? 
I've seen some people kind of talk about how, you know, Chucky was defeated and yet somehow found another body. Uh, I, how does everyone feel about that whole explanation? I don't, it doesn't really bother me because it's kind of just going for just silly mayhem. But I know other people would kind of want to nitpick. And like you say, it's just like, at this point, you know, it's the last one was kind of one of the few horror movies that made some of the less, you know, fans of the genre kind of wake up and say, hey, the, these movies can be entertaining. You know, like, because like you say, Ebert's <laughs> like stuff like Jurassic Park and Dawn of the Dead, but as it all, and even the first few screams, but yeah, often he was not a fan of stuff like, you know, John Carpenter. So it, it just shows you how some stuff ages better and some stuff, you know, well, it took years for it to be part of a collective that really embraced these kinds of movies. So uh, how does everyone feel about this? You know, once again, the mother and her child are with an abusive stepdad. <laughs> well, before you do that, I want to give you my, the lesson that I learned from the first movie, AKA the lesson you're not supposed to learn, but just something I took away from it. And that's don't buy dolls from a peddler in the alley. <laughs> I think that's resounding and timeless. So, oh my god! Yeah. Um, but if you're yeah. talking about the reanimation, my understanding is well, I'm actually thinking of the reanimation. Of the kind of more of a spirit, I guess you could say. It's going around, like yeah, scraping off of the burn marks, and <laughs> you know they find creative ways to do it. I guess in most of the movies, um, it's not as much of a stretch as I think some others are probably. Right. I knew that. Like the third uh, one, when we start talking about his blood, like dripping into the top of the vat and that turning in, like that, like transferring his soul into a newly. I don't know. That one's a little bit of a stretch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it kind of goes with the movie, and at the same time, it also is kind of like, what? 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 <laughs> so, uh, it's definitely one of those. It's like, take it for what it is, because. This isn't, you can't bring real life science to the, a movie like this. It's just not, it, no, it, it only works in the sense of a movie. <laughs> and it is wild how Garrett Graham has made a career being under wacky stuff like, you know, unusual episodes of Tells from the Crypt and even, you know, Full Moon Entertainment stuff like Terror Vision. So, <laughs> perfect. Let's cast him as the abusive stepdad. <laughs> hey, why not? How's it hanging, Glenn? What is it, what's his name in the movie? Uh, uh, his name is like uh, Phil. 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 There yeah. you That's go. one of the best lines in the movie when he's hanging upside down. How's it hanging, Phil? <laughs> this is when you start to see the emergence of funny Chucky. Right? You start. To, it's deadpan. Right. It's you know, it's not as campy as when we get into Bride and Seed, but you start seeing those one-liners. Like, Eat dirt, Tommy. Like little ones like that. Mm-hmm. That you're like, all right, this is this is why we like Chucky. <laughs> right. Uh, it's the same kind of mischief that you're going to something like again, you know, Trimmers, Gremlins, even Wishmaster. It's like just see what this guy can do, and <laughs> at the end, eventually the fun's going to be over. But hopefully, it ends with the in a better way. <laughs> like at the end, when he he's mm-hmm. shoved the knife into his arm and he stares at it and goes, "I hate kids." And you're just, you know, can't <laughs> oh God! Oh man. <laughs> yeah, I'll say of the second one, I think the final battle scene in the warehouse is, I think that's the best, like, final battle scene in any of the Erica was talking setting. about that as well. I agree with that, yeah. I wish, I think I read somewhere that they, if they had a bigger budget, they were going to maybe, like, try to turn a lot of the other dolls alive 
um, kind of like in the, the remake and to kind of create more chaos, but I don't think they had the budget for it. But in terms I of think the so. overall setting, it was pretty epic. Hmm. Yeah, that definitely makes sense, especially with the putting googly eyes, you know, on the. On oh, the that's victim. an awesome death. That's it's. that in and have it last x amount of frames <laughs> per second mm-hmm. in the film but now that, that that is true it's like that i'm kind of half and half on this movie like i like the actors mm-hmm. but at the same time it, it just feels like alex uh vincent just they didn't his kid i understand that he's kind of traumatized and at the same time it just felt like they didn't know what to do with the kid even though he's like one of the main you know victims so I, I guess you could say the movie kind of takes its time and then just kind of builds up to all the other wacky fun. So, I mean, that's kind of where I go with this. I mean, there's definitely some, I can't, again, I'm not going to tell anyone not to watch these movies because everyone's going to vary on all of them. And like, like you say, it's just that there's, you're always going to remember at least three different gags from each of these where you're like, Oh my God, <laughs> now I got to rewatch that. <laughs> Is that on YouTube somewhere? You know, like there are a couple um, pretty big bonehead moments in this movie right just you're just like oh my god like the first one when it's clear this kid is going into foster care because he's been traumatized by a a good guy doll and you totally forget there's one at the top of your closet you fucking idiot like what are you doing (laughs) (laughs) like i'm that part i'm like these are the worst foster parents in history and this guy's a dick like phil you're an asshole and that's step one and then in the uh the final scene where they're about to climb the like conveyor belt deal that you would find at like a, I don't know, like a Chuck E. Cheese. And right. she's like, Hey, I'll go first. You stay here. You just dumped a bunch of boxes on Chucky. You know, he's not dead. And you're going to leave this kid by himself at the bottom. I'm like, come on. I know this is great horror, but it's just stupid. You're right. Dumb. Yeah. Kind of goes out the window here with this one, but like you say, it's kind of fun. Also, laughing along with this movie. I don't think it ever gets as trashy as say, uh, no, uh, leprechaun, you know, <laughs> it's oh, a mix no. of both laughing at it and with it and, and just being like, that's still pretty stupid. You know, this one, this is just harmless. This is like, but like you say, it's, it's flawed and just like, yeah, it's a party movie. I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah, Chucky gets, he gets funnier. His language gets much filthier in this one. A lot of he throws a lot of f bombs in this one compared to the first one. And yeah, very yeah. unexpected too. It's like gotcha. <laughs> when he's in the closet in the classroom, I mean, just f bomb after f bomb uh, that he's he's tossing out there. But I appreciate the callback of the middle finger earlier in the movie when uh, <laughs> Chucky flicks oh, yeah. her off, and then a female character named Kyle, which is what also why I got super interested in this movie as a kid. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> that kid is me. <laughs> she, she flicks him off at the end. I was like, yes, that's a callback that you want to see. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, and, and does anyone notice some of the other uh, less uh, known at that time, you know, actors like Grace Zabriskie, who's a David Lynch favorite, Beth Grant from the Mindy Project, and Greg German from... <laughs> NCIS and Allie McBill. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. It's pretty wild how it it, it just go, it went that way. It's like, wow, I didn't expect that. Because, <laughs> you know, I know they started somewhere, but I thought they were just, you know, TV people. <laughs> Got this brief movie role. So, um, the fun of this stuff going back and you get to see 
I'm like, oh crap, that person. I know that from something <laughs> more prominent. Uh, but here's the lesson I learned. If you're a prospective foster parent, trust your first instinct. Don't adopt the kid who claims his doll was possessed by Charles Lee Ray. Right. Anybody, any child who says they were they're being stalked by a killer doll, it's best just to let someone else take that problem on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Before anyone does the dreaded, oh, they didn't have the internet yet. No, I'll still. It, it doesn't. In small towns like this, it doesn't take much. Just go to the nearest cafeteria. You'll find a newspaper. Or someone will recognize the name and say, "Oh, that's this person I heard about on the six o'clock news." You know, <laughs> that, that kid sucks. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! Oh. <laughs> oh my! So I definitely embracing. I guess you could say just the outrageousness at this point, and pretty wild how this is one of the few franchises for, to be you know at uni- at MGM and then go and become a Universal property. <laughs> uh, apparently Spielberg assisted with that. I'm surprised he didn't want to get in on this. <laughs> He probably had enough dinosaurs and <laughs> gremlins to, you know, supervise. So, <laughs> this is this is also my favorite looking Chucky in terms of just being scary looking. I think this yeah. is yeah peak Chucky yeah. right here. Child's Play. 10. Oh man, when I was going through old Mystery Science Theater VHS recordings, that was a thing in my household. <laughs> uh, the Child's Play 2 trailers would play as bu- in between the bumpers and everything. And it's like, yeah, that does look pretty freaky. <laughs> even, even cropped for a TV screen, you know? <laughs> so I can see why everyone, the, they wanted to go see this opening day. Kind of like when you see the equivalent of something like Get Out or, you know, Hereditary nowadays. It's like, oh, snap, I'm, I'm sold. <laughs> Where's the nearest driving where I can see that, you know? <laughs> um, so, you know. Lo and behold, it only took a year uh, later for it to come on out, and uh, they, they they hired Jack Bender, who's you know later becomes a big TV director and producer. They have John Arley and Natty, who later shoots a lot of the Star Trek movies as well as had already shot Poltergeist. So here we go, uh, more and more camp, and it's like. Uh, uh, eight years after the previous movie and just once again just for whatever reason they thought let's have it be at a military school <laughs> yeah i know it's it's pretty crazy the and rewatch of this one is brutal it's you definitely one of those you're like, the doll eyes are pretty wild <laughs> and it, it's like the movie is pretending to be smart but it's like no it's you're just only reminding me how dumb this is because i mean if the toy company knows it's being sued, why don't you show more of that or do something else besides just have a pointless board meeting, which is going to just end with one of your main executives getting killed. <laughs> I mean, that was fun. That was a it fun was a... part, watching Chucky turn on all his toys and then kill him. That was a fun death. Yeah, that was a like... fun death. I was just, mm-hmm. the build up to it was kind of brutal. It's like, okay, get on with it. <laughs> what you get. So what, I... what did you guys like about this movie? I guess the, the new mm-hmm. kid kind of cute but it's kind of a shame that he didn't really do anything after this yeah <laughs> that's true uh... because he's stupid his character is very very stupid like you don't bat an eye at the fact that this doll is telling you all this stuff like his interrogation yeah. of him was about four seconds long 
It's yeah. natural selection, buddy. You get picked off quickly. <laughs> natural selection. <laughs> and surprisingly, for an R-rated movie, it's really not all that violent. There's like maybe one or two gory explosions, but that's it. <laughs> it's like, geez, no wonder this was on TV the most. It was just the yeah. easiest one to permit on the airwaves. <laughs> What's, what stands out from this one? The creepy barber stands out. He's he oh, I totally forgot yeah. about him. Um, he goes all in. Uh, I guess I like the back. falling death of Chucky because it's just so Scarface-ish. Yeah, <laughs> there's this tyrant. That's why I've always remembered by this one. But but like Kyle's saying, <laughs> it takes its sweet time having all the fun really kick in because other than that, is it, it's very. It's, it feels like a mercenary <laughs> job by everybody. <laughs> well, like... they rushed it. It was within like 11 months of production. Oh, so there you Let's go. Slow down. Guys. But, mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's some good one-liners. <laughs> the, the thing the, the barber guy always says is, presto, you're bald. And after Chucky slices his throat, he goes, presto, you're dead. Uh, right. right, yep. right. <laughs> uh, but you can see it starts to arc up in the more campy stuff when he tells Tyler he's like tampering with the mail is a federal offense. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. You know that at that point it's, it's starting to get meta, right? It's starting to move beyond just horror. It's starting to get meta. Um, or yeah, after yeah, Andy's making out with uh, Homegirl, uh, what's her name from Entourage and Old School, Carrie Reeves. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, he sees him make out and goes, "Man, I really got to get out of this body." <laughs> <laughs> that's right he does echo more of the serial killer in him is like he used to be he knows he's not a decent man and yet he knows about all these other offenses <laughs> it's like he becomes more human you know right <laughs> oh god i don't th- see anything wrong with the actors but like you say i, I kind of was always hoping that they would kind of go into aliens or predator territory have all the marines actually do something Sure. You know, yeah, it was, it was all was, stereotypes yeah. and tropes. That's all it was. Right. They're, they're essentially Boy Scouts. They're like, bring a rat, you get a boy, all right, come on over here. Of <laughs> course, you have the nerdy guy in the, uh, the glasses. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the dorky guy is like, yeah, that, that, that's but that's so it. Stereotypical. Like, right. <laughs> the warning hardcore nerds are going to be offended. <laughs> Basically, a ripoff of Full Metal Jacket, multiple characters. Oh yeah! Oh, I didn't even think about that. Basically, everybody, <laughs> yeah, like, Ermy, like, like the lieutenant, the sixteen-year-old lieutenant is basically Ermy's character. Yeah, the nerdy, yeah. Guy is their nerdy guy from Full Metal Jacket. Like, it's they're just ripoffs. Yeah, Modine. There's a bit of Modine. <laughs> but I, I will, I'll always remember when Chucky switched out the paint bullets with real bullets. Like that. <laughs> that those hijinks. I yes. will always, I'll always remember ever since I was a kid, and I always, I remember mm-hmm. rewatching it and just being blown away at. All right, so they give this pano shot of the fair at the end, which mm-hmm. seems like a tiny little town fair, you know, a couple right. of spinny rides, some cotton candy, whatever, right? <laughs> and then the final scene is this like huge aggro crag with this massive like indoor roller coaster. You're like, give me a fucking break. There's no way something <laughs> this big is at a little town fair. All right, settle down yeah. with the sets, guys. It's definitely one of those. It's pretty well shot, but like you say, it it does because it's just so just atypical. Of, it's like it would make sense if it was if it was like a bigger state, but like you say, uh, where is this based again? I was taking notes and then I couldn't find if I had it. I I don't have any notes on where this was set, but I don't know. 
Oh, I forgot. Play Pals. Hell, where was it shot? That might give some Chicago, but I'm not fully. Yeah, but like, like you say, Chicago's kind of, you know, in between. It would probably have, you know, be like Ohio, where it's still got a lot of small town moments and the bigger stuff is just, you know, factories and, you know. Uh, yeah. So, like you say, I, I, I totally know what you mean, where it's just like, yeah, this is a cool place. I'm surprised there wasn't an actual Chucky, you know, roller coaster ride in life, but. Uh, and uh andrew robinson of hellraiser star trek deep space nine and transfers free <laughs> for like a, a better word cult fame uh one of fangor got nominated for best supporting actor for by fangoria <laughs> magazine <laughs> and justin whalen apparently got nominated for a saturn award so <laughs> that's that's who played andy right yeah yeah. Play the game. It helped that he'd already been on Lewis and Clark, so there you go. <laughs> oh, My man. lesson I learned from this one, if you're super creepy as a barber, it will bring nothing but misery and bad catchphrases. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It's definitely one of those, it's pretty anticlimactic. At that time, this was basically the final one before, you know, the end of the 90s proved otherwise. And <laughs> It's like, yeah, you guys... This might as well have just gone direct to video because it, it really was very taking its very self indulgent time. <laughs> cash grab. Yep, cash grab. And I don't know why it took that long too. I mean, you got to have something going on, <laughs> otherwise, people typically walk out of their seats in that day and ask for a refund. So I mean, yeah, I think and then when you look at the rest of the series, and we'll talk about it, Don gets pretty creative, and you may or may not like creative choices that he makes in terms of where he goes but the, the reason I, I look back and I don't like this this is probably my least favorite of the Child's Play movies is because it's just so ugly conventional and doesn't really take any chances it's just trophy from start to finish oh no no that's a very it's good point because across the board. well and like you say we've had other writers who you know have often just never gone along with people and other filmmakers like Brian De Palma and even Clyde Barker, you know, we're never going to see eye to eye with any studio anyway. And Don in this, I can't blame him for doing what he wants to do because like you say, he was always when it was a big, big studio endeavor, he was always facing pressure and having to do way too many compromises. So uh, I do feel like he gets way more creative. And at the same time, it is, you know, it's going to vary by, you know, what you do and don't like in a movie. So um, it is pretty wild how he had previously done a movie called Cellar Dweller, which was about a comic book artist who unleashes a demon after drawing it. <laughs> <What>? Yeah. The <laughs> same year as Child's Play, believe it or not. And he, I guess he's credited as Kit Dubois. So I'm guessing he wasn't fond of what the studio did with that. So no, that that very much on point with what Kyle's getting at is he's basically when they relinquish a lot more control to him, he just goes off the rockers as if it's going to be the final entry. He's like, I don't know when I'll get another chance at it. So (laughs) yeah. And it it, it polarizes the audience, but at least it's unique and try something, right? Like you might not like the execution, but in, talk about the movie before we jump into this movie. Oh, good. Uh, Ronnie Yu of uh, Gently's Fearless and Freddy vs. Jason uh, directed this first movie. Uh, 
Uh, and fun fact, I actually still have the score for this movie because it was part of Graham Ravel's uh, rare out-of-print Pitch Black soundtrack. He had, like, on one side, you know, the score for Pitch Black and the score for Bride of Chucky. It was, like, a dual album, so. Didn't have Living Dead Girl by Rob Zombie on it? No, unfortunately not. <laughs> unfortunately not. As I hear that, I think of Bride of Chucky. Living Dead Girl. It, it, it would be wild. I'm sure there's a standalone soundtrack with songs made in in the movies. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like, like you say, uh, this is definitely the one where it becomes self uh, parody, and uh, you know, just focuses on Chucky and his girlfriend, played by the always, uh, you know, eye catching uh, Jennifer Tilly. <laughs> mm-hmm. And. Uh, yeah, I, I know that for some, some people view this as one of the best ones, and other people, this was like a deal-breaker. Uh, I'll let Kyle take it away, and then let John weigh in. <laughs> I get the divide on this one. I'm This is my favorite Chucky movie. <laughs> and, and I've read, too, that this is um, uh, Durf's uh, favorite, too. So, oh, nice. He, he <laughs> I love it. The one-liners are amazing in it. Yeah, the whole storyline with Jade and what's his face, uh, that is annoying. Um, but John Ritter's in it. And yeah. There's always great in everything he does. But just like the reference to Hellraiser. Um, I forgot about that. Yeah. To this day, I still think about the one line. The first line that comes to mind for that movie is when right after they get married, he goes, I can give him six months, three if she gains weight. Like that is stuck in for years. <laughs> I forgot about that one. <laughs> I give her six months. Three if she gains weight. It's just so funny. The whole Martha Stewart bit. Oh time. my god. Oh, yeah. She became Fuck more Martha Stewart. <laughs> oh my god. I don't know. You guys talk about your feelings on it. Uh, John, I'll let you weigh in. I was not able to rewatch this in time, but it is one of those. Uh, I, I find it fun on some days, and other days it's just kind of you know, hit and miss for me, but it, it is there's no denying the puppetry is better and the gags are firing just like there's more diversity in the over the top mayhem. So, mm-hmm. and like, like, like Kyle said, you know, don't go to this for the plot. It's just not worth it. It's not that kind of movie. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, but this is one of those that is more like a mixed bag for me. Like I said, some of the jokes really do hit and I actually love the look of the movie. I think it's actually the best of all of them, cinematography-wise. Um, this was inspired by the poster for Scream 2, <laughs> also a year true. before. Yeah, <laughs> um, At least we didn't have any Weinstein Dimension Films logo pop up, otherwise we'd be in trouble. <laughs> true. But now, the thing that kind of hurts this is Jennifer Tilly. I'm just not a fan of her as an actress, period. Okay. Um, Especially, you have Catherine Heigl, which I didn't even know it was her until many years. Really? Ago. <laughs> I was like, "That's Catherine Heigl? Oh wow!" If we ever do a deep dive, people are like, "Oh shit, that's Catherine Heigl." <laughs> wouldn't expect, right? Given the genre of film she usually does. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Janet Kidder also has a brief role in this. Uh, Did you know that um, cool. Catherine Heigl took the role because Julia Stiles? No, that would have been 
I know some people aren't fond of her. I'm fond of Julia Stiles. I think so that might have been, been an interesting twist having her kind of just, you know, just kind of like all her other horror movies that she'd done where she's just like, you can't be serious. This thing's alive. <laughs> mm-hmm. That would have been better, actually. All right. Yeah. Some of the other stuff I... <laughs> Don't tell me Schmucky is one of those dolls who wets his pants. <laughs> Dude, there's so many good one-liners in this when he's, he's starting to get a boner and he goes, I don't know about you, but I'm starting to feel a little bit like Pinocchio here. And it's like, you, know, you, you hear a, a doll say that, you're like, oh, Lord. Oh, um, Lord, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, it, the end of the they, movie, when they're in the cemetery and he stabbed the one guy and he goes, get off my knife. And he pushes him down into the hole. <laughs> yeah, just stuff that stuck with me for 20 years. It's wild. <laughs> it's every kind of joke imaginable. <laughs> it's, it's there. Oh, man. So, yeah, I mean, if you're going to take any of these seriously, don't recommend. But if you are just going to embrace some of the camp, go for it. I mean, like Kyle said, there's there's a lot of diversity. And like John said, is like casting's questionable, but there's some good acting here. And yeah, the soundtrack is pretty cool. I mean, freaking Slayer typo negative monster madness. On yeah, this. It's, a, it's a cool little soundtrack. Man. Yeah. Motorhead. I'm there. <laughs> the movement moment of the movie for me is when the guy shows up to Jennifer Tilly's place wearing way too many face piercings. That doesn't turn out well for him. Uh, <laughs> and the lesson I learned is that Team America is the only time where two puppets should bang each other on camera. Because that right. Stuck in your brain. It's stuck in our brain. If you can handle some fecal matter, <laughs> other jokes, go for it. Now, I love how Rotten Tomatoes, I don't ever use these as the final consensus, but I love how they're like, devoid of any fright. I don't think it was going for any fright. No, it wasn't. No. <laughs> Thanks for missing the point, guys. But <laughs> it would have been better if you had just said did or did not find the jokes funny. That, that would have made sense. But just saying devoid of any fright is like, this, yeah. This movie has the two genres that a lot of critics completely miss the mark on. Yep. Comedy is especially harder because it's like, I don't know, what what they find interesting, we often get bored or feel is drawn out and other, you know, especially like when Kyle was tackling some of Natasha Leone's resume, it's like, <laughs> these people are lying, you should not see this movie. <laughs> Destroying certain movies. You know, I think of movies like Grandma's Boy, which has just an abysmal score from critics. Right? And it's extremely beloved it's not my favorite comedy in the world but i think it's a good comedy and but you gotta like that type of comedy and you know the highbrow <laughs> critic types it's not really their thing so it's ironically tragic. it's like the least to be offended by from adam sandler's you know <laughs> company is like and yet they were offended by it the most it's like <laughs> i think you need to it's kind of like paul verhoeven's sense of satire it's just you either get it or you don't and hence the you know inconsistent ratings but mm -hmm. uh so yeah uh a lot of people thought that was it and then on once again <laughs> uh chucky and his bride return in seat of chucky and uh, this one yep this one was talked about endlessly at, at high school and i kept asking is it good or is it bad and no one could ever give me a straight answer. It's like they just wanted to laugh at how stupid it was or just because 
you know, they watched everything. It's like, that doesn't tell me anything. <laughs> so ironic. This is mm. my least favorite of all of them. It's the only one I own on DVD. Don't ask me why. <laughs> wow. You would have thought that with Billy Boyd as, you know, from Lord of the Rings being a voiceover and even John Waters being involved, it'd be yeah, something else. Waters is awesome. Yeah. And yet, yeah. Jason Fleming plays Santa in there. And, and himself. <laughs> which is weird. Uh, yeah, I, I, I recall this one being pretty dragged out, but I, I know there's some fans of it. I just don't know why they're fans. So I don't know. I'm the same way. This is the worst one to me easily by far. You know, <laughs> there's nothing good in this, in my opinion. I mean, good for it for trying mm-hmm. in what, 2004 talking about gender. You know, that's yeah. Not a yeah. Norm. At that point, it's not really in the norm to talk about, especially in a horror franchise. So good for them for going that route. Even though it's kind of messy. Uh, <laughs> some homage to The Shining at a certain point, but mm-hmm. Thing. Uh, so, um, so like you say it would have probably worked okay as like a sketch show but not as a you know two-hour movie you know <laughs> i mean let me see what, what quotes did i write down because i did a rewatch this universal executives were apparently very bigoted and didn't green light it because they thought it was too gay nice guys nice <laughs> is that real really yeah yeah, yeah. i'm just I looking mean, at some of the trivia thing probably two people off pretty erica wrote that as well yeah that and i was this close to watching trace Boyou and frank connor from mystery science theater actually riff that on their you know uh movie sign with the mads live tour where they're actually in the audience with you and i, I so regret not being able to see that pre-covid and like you say uh mancini claimed in a podcast it doesn't say which podcast he had before he cast Redman as a fictional version of himself he wanted to cast tarantino but the dude declined so this is gonna be trash I'm <laughs> yeah it's pretty wild how this is filmed almost entirely in romania is like wow i thought that's where only direct video you know or expendable type movies got filmed but no <laughs> and he looks like it because the, the yeah posing everything in the background is very obvious you know, oh yeah like, we're in la mm-hmm. just kidding oh uh, just kidding MTV Movie Awards gave a Best Frightened Performance nominee to Tilly. How is this Best Frightened Performance? I mean, it's a comedy. Down year, my nope. Heather Phillips got nominated for the World's Taurus World Stunt Awards, but I don't recall any notable stunts in this. <laughs> I think that was just a write-in vote. Uh, there's the stunt where uh, Chucky apparently gets on a f- fucking plane and travels overseas that you never figure out how he pulls that off. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah, with i get that it's campy and like you say but at the same time you still got to have some kind of connection to kind of just to make it yeah. like how like, does he know how does he know the lyrics to a britney spears song after he kills her he says oops i did it again like come on <laughs> you got an ipod that we don't know about like what's going on in the background here with, with <laughs> there's some decent one-liners like at one point glenda asks is mommy ill and Quartz <laughs> thought so. Oh. <laughs> or the other time, Glenda goes, "Isn't violence bad?" And Chucky goes, "No, violins, violins are bad." Like, oh. Right. Mm. Again, 
Yeah, and Mancini defends himself saying he just went for full-out camp. I don't think he had to defend himself. He just needed a better script, and he had yeah. too much. He just had too many people just either not wanting to be involved with it or just not giving him notes on saying, hey, that gag's funny, those other gags, not so much, keep a quarter of them in, you know? And mm-hmm. it's like the last one by Cinema Score, and and this has like a C plus and Ebert states in his two out of four star rating. See to Chucky is actually two movies, one wretched, the other funny. <laughs> yeah, okay. He's got his funny moments. Uh, uh, I recall I mean, being got, a drag. You got John but... Waters, who is the king of camp. So uh, Waters like, is oh, lovely. We're going to have Waters. Mm-hmm. We had to go all in. So good mm-hmm. for him on that part. The lesson I learned from this one, because at one point Chucky says, no one ever leaves me. And what I learned in the fifth installment is if you know Chucky really well, if he's told you a story and you know his background, and you try to leave him, you will survive. By this movie, it is very obvious that what he says is bullshit. (laughs) The people who die are the ones that don't know his story. The ones that do know his story always survive. It's pretty wild, too, how there's also, you know, with Fleming earlier, there's even a bunch of other, again, just what's with all the singers and even English actors? I mean, Hannah Spirit, who later went on to be on the UK dinosaur show, show Primeval, you know, she was a singer before. And he's like, what's she doing here? <laughs> Tony like Gardner. Paycheck you know? this, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Tony, yeah. special effects wizard Tony Gardner of Zombieland and. Uh, bad grandpa fame is in here. It's like, what's he doing here? <laughs> uh, I don't get it. It says something about the success of the Chucky franchise. These people wanted to be involved. That's my guess. I, I'm with you. Yeah, only guess they are. They were in it to be in it, not necessarily because they wanted or thought it was going to be good. So, eh. moving on. <laughs> so, thus begins. Uh, you know, some sites were listing these as direct-to-video, and others were saying, you know, limited theater. Well, it's both guys. They were VOD and screened at various, you know, places like Frightmare Weekend and other places and festivals. So we have both Cursed Chucky and Cult of Chucky. And in this time, Don Mancini, much like Seed, uh, again, is at the director's helm, and David Kirshner is one of the producers. Um, and Curse... I didn't see all the way. I was just, but I remember it being kind of a watchable. And one of my favorite actors from Longmire, A. Martinez, was in it. I actually got the chance to meet him when I was doing extra work. He's pretty cool in this, in not my opinion, but I'll let you guys weigh in. <laughs> yeah, I watched it today. So it was a <laughs> connecting point. It helped me give context to Cold of Chucky, which I had seen a few years ago. Oh. Gaps. So they, they follow each other. Gotcha. Shit. Yeah, her whole story, Nika's story in Cold of Chucky, it's it's hard to appreciate that one without seeing this one because you realize how tormented she is because he basically frames her for killing her whole family in this movie and Chucky is doing all the dirty work. Yeah, and Fiona mm-hmm. is definitely you know comfortable playing off her dad in this, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, she's good. I yeah. Think. Seen her at a few conventions. Up some chops, man. In these yeah. Movies. Sure. Um, I will definitely shame on me for not making time for these, but uh, I, I think these are one of these. They, these should have been like the initial sequels. These are like the sequels we should have totally seen after like 
part two or three, you know, just like it should have. And don't get me wrong that I, I get that uh, the first, you know, Bride of Chucky again it is the cultist hit out of all of these. But it's like I, I think because there was so much exhaustion from the franchise, you know, that's why not as many people saw these. But, yeah, these were playing commonly on Sci-Fi Channel and Chiller and uh, they did some business. I remember a few pals who had a few other cult movie podcasts thought these were actually the freakiest of the entire franchise what well, well i'll let kyle weigh in on that <laughs> what do you say this one's i think the goriest of all of the movies mm. that i've seen i mean the, the the next cult is pretty gory too but i mean he stabs a woman in the eye and plucks her eyeball out and then rolls her down Ooh. the stairs <laughs> hatchet chops the, the dad in the mouth and it shows like i had to turn away at several points <laughs> I didn't come for that. I just wanted to hear Chucky do, you know, be creepy and say some things. Right. But yeah. this one's a lot like the first one. It takes, I literally marked it. It's at like the 44 and 48 second mark when you first see Chucky in his facial expression start to change, which may be the exact same time signature as the first one. I don't know. I know it's around 45 minutes. So if that's the case, that would be a really cool, it'd be really hard to do, but it'd be really cool if they pulled that off. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I mean, they definitely went to town, and Tony Garner came back as the puppeteer of Chucky. So, like to say, is like there's very limited CGI. It, it appears like just for some of the kills, but they're still doing some other practical stuff for like when the blood's spurting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, mm-hmm. uh, the I appreciated the third act in this one because it ties together some some issues you might have early in the movie. Because early on, you're like, why is he here? Like, who is this woman? Who are these people? Like, why the hell is Chucky here? And it starts to hint to that. And towards the end, you realize Charles E. Ray was, like, with her mother right before he was taken. So this is the Charles E. Ray origin story. You get the full mm. story of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Which I think is helpful, you know, if you want to build out the universe and you can keep it going. And it's a great way to do it. Um, and then you get to you start to see how... Um, kind of how all the pieces come together at that point which I think is helpful, <laughs> you know that's good or he did like early in the movie you look at him he doesn't look very scary and i remember thinking to myself like i don't like the look of this chucky and then he gets his skin peeled off and you see the scars underneath and you're like oh okay it's just a- <laughs> i can't see that he's a used doll he's looking pretty <laughs> oh god brad oh, Miska. What do you got, love it hate it <laughs> Mm, that, well, for those, I'm more like in the middle for those. I don't hate them. I don't love them. It's more like in the middle. I mean, I think Fiona Dorf actually is the best part of both movies. She really sells that character quite well. Um, Bloody Disgusting gave this a positive review, but saying it may be the best home video sequel since Wrong Turn 2. First off, I cannot speak highly no. of any of the Wrong Turn movies. And second of all, that's offensive because John and I have seen many goofy, campy, you know, franchises that go direct to video after a while. And it's like, the, this again, this was screened at, had limited theater screenings and then, you know, embraced the home video and cable TV market. So, I mean, I, I think you should, if anything, just say, hey, this is just a good movie that despite limited uh, access uh, initially, it's, it should be seen. So, I mean, 
it's definitely slower in the beginning, but I, I recall it at least having a reasonable amount of suspense in care. Mm-hmm. As opposed to like showtime. Okay, perfect. I've, uh, yeah, I think they're wrong, wrong correctly. Not that everybody's uh, got showtime these days. True. Right. Everybody's pulling the cord, and I'm like the only one in the household is still playing paying the cable bill. <laughs> I'm like, but there's Conan, but there's <laughs> I'm the same way. Are, but... <laughs> oh man. This and is... at the same time. Go ahead, brother. Uh, this got a nomination for best DVD or Blu-ray release at the 40th Saturn Awards, so it's definitely been a darling for that award show. So it's pretty yeah, interesting. I'm, mm-hmm. I, for what? A, how long was this came out? 2013, so almost a 10-year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, pretty good way to revive the franchise after Seed of Chucky, which a lot of people hated, and so to kind of create a whole new storyline inside the Charles Lee Ray without changing much. Um, you did a, did a pretty good job. You don't see as many good like one-liners because it goes back to the original horror, unless you're camp. Mm-hmm. It did, did note that the the nanny at the start they introduced her. She goes, "This is my new au pair," and <laughs> not not just the nanny. And you're just like, "Oh, so you're stupid? Got it. All right." Uh, <laughs> but at one point, the little the little girl's hanging out with Chucky a bunch, and. The little girl has told them numerous times, like, Chucky tells me things, very similar to what Andy said and what Tyler said, and no one believed them. No one learns their lessons in these universes. And uh, she says that the nanny says to um, to Nika, says, I don't care if it's the Manson family, anything that keeps, if it's sent by the Manson family, meaning Chucky, anything that keeps her happy is fine by me. Which leads (laughs) into my lesson. If you're fine with a doll being sent by the Manson family, bad things will happen. (laughs) <laughs> yes, and you should recuse yourself of having any kind of decent soul. <laughs> there's also a lot of, because it's filmed in like Toronto, there's a lot of uh, Canadian character actors who've been on all the various horror and sci-fi shows, as well as, you know, voice actors, so that's pretty interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just saw <laughs> I just can't help myself. Watch too much Canadian shows, and I'm not even a Canadian. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they are very well shot, and it's amazing because they their budget is less than ours. So something's wrong here. Yeah, if you can do better for less, and we can't make use of any of our budgets. <laughs> There's that too, and then. Then there's the Writers Guild trying to debate just because they've hired so many rewrites when they could have just hired the initial scribe to just rewrite it. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh. So let's start with the final. Well, I shouldn't say final. You never know. They might revisit it. The newest and seventh installment, which is Cult of Chucky. Once again, it's following picking up right after the events of the last one i don't know why they make an option of rated or unrated just release it as unrated (laughs) (laughs) four years after the events i again i wasn't able to get to this one because i was too busy watching all the god-awful puppet master movies (laughs) their choices sometimes you have to make them oh and I hate myself. What's unique about this one, from what I noted, is most of 
because I was keeping track of every Chucky movie. Like, what's the reanimation story? What's the epic battle scene? Like, what's the death that Chucky look like? And Chucky doesn't die at the end of Curse. He it is assumed that he puts himself in the body of the young girl from the house, right? Um, you don't mm-hmm. see him die, and so there is no reanimation in this one. It's just a continuation of the story with Mika as she goes into her psychiatric hospital because everyone in the world believes her. Mm-hmm. And um, Mancini said that he always wanted to introduce the concept of multiple Chuckies, but was unable to do so originally. <laughs> so that's why he used the concept for this 26 years later. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Take the whole voodoo storyline and start to extrapolate that a little bit. You know, it, it's it's different. I, I can see why some people enthusiasts wouldn't love it fact there are multiple chuckies in this movie but <laughs> for those that want something fresh i think they you know it's, i think it was an interesting and creative turn that they took for sure yeah. oh um so it, it looks like uh, not only just the cast but also you know it's f- picking up on the other characters like you know kyle and other people from you know parts two and three so um mm-hmm. Do you feel like they're done justice, or is it just kind of a silly cameo? Uh, are you saying for Kyle's character? Yeah, yeah. How they pick uh, up on her. <laughs> well, the, the movie ends on a huge cliffhanger. Like a Ooh. massive cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. So, yep. We're allowed to spoil it, right? I mean, if you want to. I mean... <laughs> John, go ahead and spoil it if you want. <laughs> I'll let you spoil it this time. John's like, um, um, so at the end of the movie basically with all the hijinks that go on Chucky basically voodoos himself into Mika's body oh that's and amazing he goes, basically so she they go outside um, and Jennifer Tilly picks him up in his new body and then the Jennifer the, like uh, what's her face is the doll her doll is also alive in the back seat and then in the post credits they show Kyle going back to torture the severed head of Chucky in Andy's <laughs> apartment. Mm-hmm. So there's That's... just a ton of cliffhangers. Um, so are you surprised that Radiohead's creeped and start playing? What a perfect body. <laughs> Pretty much. I don't know if that would work with the tone, but thematically, it would have made sense. Um, I would not be surprised, and I know they want to. They're gonna do a sequel at some point, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they do a sequel oh, and the remake too. So we could have two child's play universes going on at one time. Oh wow! It's true. Versus Brad Dourif. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Hamill versus Dourif. You know, let's see where it goes. It probably I like that idea even more than the actual remake, but at the same time, I don't think it'll happen because you know that's by MGM's relaunched Orion Pictures, and you know this is by Universal. But I, I see what you mean. You're just like. The, this is handled by, you know, Universal's home video market. But like you say, give it five years. It's already been more than that at this point. You know, 2017, you know, that was, four years. Uh, again, for, for, <laughs> oh, Chucky's calling you. Hang up. <laughs> oh, that was some mine. <laughs> okay. Poor Andy in this one, too. He thinks he's doing a cool thing and coming back to the psychiatric hospital and getting revenge, and then he just gets locked in at the end. Oh, so, damn. He does. That which leads to my lesson. Obsessions 
that usually involve torturing the head of killer doll. Pretty unhealthy. It's going to lead you to bad decisions. <laughs> For but sure. It's a cool movie. It's gory. It's super creative. Um, it's shot pretty well. Uh, and it's pretty much all in one space. It's all in one set. For sure. Mm-hmm. Like to say, uh, it seems like they've been having Universal just has continual success with that and Tremors, so I'm sure they'll keep making a few of these each every other year because they they're seeing the numbers clearly and there's clearly a market for it. Uh, basically, let's just weigh in briefly on the remake and then just kind of move into plugs for each other's uh, respective uh, reviews and. I really had zero expectations. I had heard part of Bear McQuarrie's uh, score on some of the soundtrack sites. And it's like, okay, you know, he does cool, suspenseful stuff, you know, <laughs> Battlestar Galactica. And it's like, uh, I hadn't seen any of the trailer, but I know everyone else who was like hardcore fans just absolutely hated it. They're just like, oh, no, no, fuck this, you know, before it had even come out. And so I was like, well, Audrey Plaza, she's going to play an idiot, which is what she's been typecast to play. <laughs> Uh, I, I really don't expect much since most of the people in these kinds of movies typically do make dumb decisions. It's like, is Mark Hamill, basically Mark Hamill's in Joker mode. <laughs> There's no denying. Yep. The character sounds exactly like his character in Birds Be Bear. It's identical. Really? Okay. I'm not. Go, not seen go YouTube Birds Be Bear and compare it and you're like, oh, that is Birds Be Bear. <laughs> the movie from 2017. Yeah, it is. Let's <laughs> be fair. How have I not heard of this? Oh wait, it's a yeah. movie. I like it. I like Bruce Lee Bear. Uh, oh wait, Kyle Mooney. But Kyle Mooney from SNL. Oh yeah, I did briefly see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I keep forgetting that was him. Okay. It's like a Shit. creepier version of the the movie Bloom. <laughs> oh boy. So yeah, a script well, provided by Tyler Burden Smith of various video games and Seth Graham Smith of the new It movies also collaborated as producers. Uh, what was your take, Kyle? Sorry for interrupt. No, you're fine. I apologize for interrupting you. No, I didn't. I spoke too soon. <laughs> the legend behind this is interesting. Just from no one from the original franchise, you know, being involved. It, it's, Don was offered an executive producer role, but he declined it because he allowed it. <laughs> So it's like that's just offensive um but i think you get anything like this remakes right you get two camps you get the camp that is completely comparing it to the original stories or the camp that recognizes this is different it's going to be and i'm open to that and how people rate it depends which camp they're in and i think mm-hmm. i wish before people gave their responses they made it very clear which camp they're in so <laughs> right <laughs> I'm of the latter. Like I recognize this is gonna be very different. Like the whole technological Chucky that has to learn. It's like this is like small soldiers, where like, that's what I thought <laughs> that's of. Good. As a yeah, that's a good like, comparison. Let's, the, let's put the military chip in, right, and let's see what happens. <laughs> nothing, you know what I mean, nothing good. Uh, no Tommy Lee Jones in this one. Um, but I know, you know, Audrey Plaza is pretty good. Brian Tyree Henry is one of my favorite up-and-coming actors. He does good work in this. Um, yeah. The story's pretty decent overall. There's some good, you know, there's funny moments in there. Um, 
Tim mm-hmm. Matheson is here. Jeez. Yeah, Tim Matheson's in it. I mean, yeah, it's okay. I didn't, I didn't hate it. I was pretty mad. I saw that basically, surprisingly, the critical scores were pretty re- ranging to decent. And I thought it was like ranked as one of the top worst movies of the year. But no, it, it, it was ranked with OK ratings. And it seemed like just the hardcore fans, you know, judging by cinema score, gave it like a C. So I was like, geez, I, I I pretty much was surrounded by too many people who hated it. I just was like, man, you know, I, I it was watchable. It was well made. It just seemed like it was kind of so busy setting up a lot of things, but that says a lot because I mean, compared to other remakes, this was not just launched out there to, for the masses. Like there was a huge marketing, you know, thing. They had a website made for the fictional Caslin corporation. They had, uh, you know, the posters were made to look like Toy Story four, which was coming around out around the same week. (laughs) Uh, As well as, parodying Annabelle, you know, from that horror franchise. So it's like they did some, as well as YouTube making of showing how the doll was created for the film. So they, you can't say, you know, for those who didn't like it, that it was a very cheap cash. in. it, it, it was kind of one of those, it kind of got delayed, I think, didn't it? Cause it's like the, tra- the trailer came out so long ago and I saw so many people that are just like, not going to even bother with it just the minute they saw a remake attached. And I, I think mm-hmm. you can watch it. And at the same time, I just, I just really didn't remember much about it. I was, but I didn't hate any of the actors in it. So I'm just like, whatever. I mean, it's like it or hate it. <laughs> That's kind of, I was one that thought it was just okay. Um, I actually thought Aubrey Plaza was kind of miscast, at least to me. Uh, I think she's too young. <laughs> well, I'm not gonna say too young, but you think she's like a little lost, which she kind of does in every other movie. <laughs> for that, um, she'll always be April. <laughs> I did like the kid who did play Andy. I was surprised by him because I thought he'd be kind of annoying, but. He surprised me. Um, and Mark Hamill, I thought, did an adequate job as Chucky. I mean, because, yeah, uh, the song that they created for him, though. That was. I'll give it another rewatch. Uh, but uh, it's kind of wild how the casting in this is somewhat inspired. I mean, you got a bunch of horror heavyweights. Gabriel Michael Bateman is the detective. You got. Uh, again, but uh, uh, my my bad. Yeah, Brian Henry, and then uh, like like Kyle mentioned earlier, Gabriel Bateman, who's you know been in uh, John's favorite movie of last year, Unhinged, and then you know other stuff like Annabelle and Lights Out. So <laughs> uh, this is definitely helping out their career. Uh, but yeah, I was definitely surprised by seeing Tim Matheson in this because you know he's just been so you know being an avid fan of West Wing and. Everyone else in my family loves Animal House, so it's just like it is wild, you know, for a man who's was acting in everything for a while and then kind of turned to directing TV movies. It's kind of wild just seeing him make another just rare, you know, mainstream film appearance. So um, it was good, and his I, part I'd is say, him. for me. 
one of the things that aggravates me through a lot of Chucky movies is how helpless the kids usually are. And I appreciate yeah. this one, the kids. Yeah. Although you could liken it, like I could see people comparing it to like a Stranger Things or It crew, um, and it paralleling the character tropes there. But I appreciate <laughs> that they weren't just helpless and actually like put their big boy pants on and, and did some damage. Um, mm-hmm. I got tired of seeing helpless kids like, all right, yo, I know you're 10 years old, but Chucky, you can punt him like Baxter in Anchorman. Like, get. <laughs> no, it's a bad choice. <laughs> like, there's a doll on your neck. Grab him, throw him at a wall, and then curb stop him American History X style. Like, this is complicated. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so I appreciated the kids actually took <laughs> But yeah. I, I understand why the purists wouldn't like it. The purists. Uh, I wasn't even a purist. I was just like, yeah. Hey. <laughs> it, With me. It, it's just a suspenseful time at the movies. And like Kyle said, there's just some people are more stubborn than Star Wars fans. How <laughs> many? Dude, I don't even like deal. People ask me my opinion on Star Wars. I'm like, I, I get nothing. Right, you're not going down that rabbit hole, not tonight. I don't know hey. enough, right? To like, I Marvel. I'll give you all the Marvel opinions. Do whatever. <laughs> do. Okay. I will not touch Star Wars with a ten foot pole. I'll watch them, but I'll, I'll keep my opinion to myself. Mm-hmm. I, I've had to force myself to be that way about DC because it seems like now is like those guys are getting ultra violent. <laughs> oh my god, you don't like the show? You like that movie? How dare you? It's like, oh my god. No, 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 not, not going there. 1984 didn't help because that was a trash Mando movie. So, agree, agree. <laughs> uh, oh boy. Hour too long. <laughs> but anyways, that's a topic for a different day. Yeah, a different day. All right, we're, we are gonna. I am gonna invite you to when we do some campy superhero movies. No one talks enough about the wacky, silly ones like the Rocketeer or the Phantom. Howard <laughs> the Duck. <laughs> oh, there you go. Howard the Duck, Vampirella. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, and it is kind of wild how I would not be surprised if they did a remake to uh, uh or not a remake, a, a sequel to the remake, because it did do a lot of business, surprisingly. It was only filmed for like $10 million, which is only like one more in today's dollars versus $80. And once again, made around the same kind of budget that the original made. I could not believe it. So, I mean, uh, with, with this one, uh, it was also co-financed by a British Columbia company called Braun Media, whose you know productions include the recent animated Adams Family, Queen and Slim, Bombshell, uh, the upcoming Ghostbusters Afterlife, uh, Roman J. Israel Esquire, and uh, Joker. So it's like that, as well as the Tom Hanks uh, Apple TV Plus movie uh, Greyhound. So, I mean, this was a big, again, for those who like or don't like it, you can't say it was an uninspired one. It, they, they did some serious calculations on this before kind of going their own way with it. Um, I'm sure I'll see a bunch of people talk about how it it's underrated in coming years and other people who are like mm-hmm. uh and those who hated it will probably just admit it was watchable and not you know the worst thing of you know of 2019 hardly so <laughs> nope 
<laughs> there were so many bad movies each year, but I, I would never put even think to put this one in here. And <laughs> right in the middle, baby. <laughs> together, it's right smack in the middle, most likely forty to fifty percent, probably. Yeah, uh, hell, <laughs> we can put it in sixty percent because it's watchable. <laughs> yeah. Most I mean, audiences and critics are between what forty-eight and sixty-seven. There's your sweet spot. <laughs> oh man. So Kyle, what actors do you want to plug in? I know the vault. You never know who's you know coming up next. But um, who do you think you'll be tackling next on Munson at the Movies? And for those who don't know, it's a lovely show where uh, Corey Wallace and other guest stars just. Uh, countless guest stars at this point you know just always love to just tackle just various actors and they rate them on a scale of 100 on how they've evolved as performers uh what are they're actually decent people and you know even uh ranking uh just uh how many films they've done that you know gotten any recognition versus what any of them personally recognize them from so it, it's been a very cool project that just keeps getting more and more unpredictable and I, i'm always blown away by you know <laughs> uh what actor they tackle and how many have actually seen some lesser seen movies of theirs so i mean we appreciate you listening man because i know you're a you're a deep cut guy right so you you know a lot of these these actors well and it was really and you guys tackle enough so it just really would be annoying if someone just came up and been like oh you missed a movie it's like well inevitably we're gonna miss a movie uh, duh that's why I, start, I always give a disclaimer on the front end. I'm like, <laughs> so for example, when we covered Danny Trejo, um, yeah, <laughs> I was like, listen, Danny Trejo is the busiest actor in Hollywood. He's got 400 acting credits on his resume on his IMDb that are that are accounted for. There's probably more. Oh like, god, we're not gonna hit all 400. We might hit 50, <laughs> right? 50 to 60. We'll mention and talk about in substance. So if you're mad, feel free to tweet us if you feel like we forgot something, but can't watch everything we do some so for those who haven't watched our show um please a, listen a podcast inspired by uh roy munson and uh, the movie kingpin we're all big fans of the movie kingpin and um it's always it's something that kind of brought us all <laughs> originally so that's yeah. munson's at the movies because it's one of our favorite movies um, oh man and the anchorman reference you did earlier you definitely had plenty of those and uh, i remember yeah. when you mentioned it on his <laughs> trejo's episode and i i gotta say if you can look it up somewhere i think call of duty danny trejo interview he basically they did a horror mod where you could fight various horror characters and he yeah. basically was fighting a bunch of zombies with a machete <laughs> and uh it was just so funny on the trejo thing he basically you know he was asked he's like well i got another offer for a role i accepted and then my wife's car broke down then i got a call for the video games so i accepted instantly (laughs) (laughs) he's on record he does not turn down roles he's literally the nicest human ever he's the greatest human you'll ever meet he's insane (laughs) he's come a long way from being the convict that he was back in the day but right yeah, the, the way our show works so there's you know there's five of us munsons we bring on a guest normally every episode um and we have about 800 actors on a huge list and we randomly draw five put them on a wheel we spin the wheel and then we cover whoever that actor is um, so it's all completely random that way there's no favorites being played and 
the, our audience slash our listeners get a chance to participate. So for today, we just actually announced today that our next episode is going to be on Sam Rockwell, which is a huge sure, fan sure. favorite. Mm. People love Sam Rockwell, especially because he's got a lot of really good stuff that isn't super mainstream that, mm-hmm. uh, that people are very much culty about. That's he's, just wrong! Yeah. <laughs> like Moon and Confessions of a Dangerous Mind and, <laughs> and deeper cuts from, from his work. And he's, like, he's in the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, right? So like stuff like that that people don't realize. So we take the actor and we cover their career from start to finish and every interesting thing we can along the way and we rate them and then we just keep the keep it going. What we love about it is it is uh it is pandemic proof, right? You know, a lot of podcasts were going on like the new movies that are out during the pandemic, yeah, that kind of slowed their operations a little bit. Mm-hmm. For us it's you know, we got 800 actors. It would take us a long time to cover all of them that list will only grow so you can check us out we're on twitter munson's at movies and uh, instagram at munson's at the movies for sure for sure now john mark continual guest of this podcast where can we find you what will you be tackling next on the action elite podcast well on twitter i'm on well for twitter my name is action fan 555 and instagram is jonathan mark I'm not sure what I might write on actual links, but I'm sure I'll think of something. <laughs> Grimmy. <laughs> okay, is perfect. Action fan five five five. Yes, it is. I'll I'll link them to yeah on here since you just reached out on Facebook. I'll go from there. Um, mm-hmm. uh, th- thank you ever so much for being on here. And uh, just is that it for plugs, or do you want it? I'm good. Okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, perfect. Uh, thank you ever so much for being on here. This was just a fun tackle uh, into just the most unusual kind of cult franchise we've done, which has changed studios, changed, you know, people in charge, everything. So, I mean, <laughs> uh, thank you hey. for helping us understand it all better. <laughs> Still going. Eight movies later. Eight movies later. Yeah. <laughs> How much? How many other franchises can you say eight movies in still putting out quality content? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> and you guys would know more than I would because I well into those worlds. In the I think a better world. question is which is one that's kind of more agreeable because you know, yeah. I like some of the Hellraisers, even some of the ones that people notoriously hate. Obviously, I don't hate the one that was made for like twenty bucks, but uh, it's just like it is kind of one of those where it's like you. Some of these, it's like they lost not only their audience over time, but even just what they were about. And some of them, it was just they didn't have the best people marketing it. And this one, it pretty much was Universal's baby for a while. And they just got a bunch of the people in charge of their TV departments in charge of it. And then they let Mm -hmm. Don do whatever he did because he brought in the dough and, you know, (laughs) they weren't going to risk any flack i guess with you know firing the creator so uh i this has been cool kind of just tackling it because i mean <laughs> compared to puppet master which was always you know made for tv directed video it's just like eh, that one was always just charles band just joking around and this one you know there was joking around but then there was like some legit efforts to be you know a gory origin story so i mean i i, I think this just speaks to the testament of 
the right types being at the right place, uh, just mm -hmm. willing to be edgy and uh, comfortable in their own skin. So thank you ever so much. Uh, thanks a million. us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a jacked up